You're listening to a City on a Hill podcast. We'd love you to use and share this podcast, but please refrain from editing the content without permission from City on a Hill. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au. Delight and denial. Isn't that already worth delighting in? Today we're thinking about delight and denial, uh, building a strong connection and a deepening intimacy with Jesus as we grow in our obedience. Uh, A delight and denial are a a gift from God to be connected to Jesus, uh, to be transformed by the Holy Spirit as we find our ongoing faith and connection with him in our lives. Uh, Delight and denial are like an umbrella term for many of the other spiritual disciplines, some of the spiritual disciplines that help us delight in God, some of the spiritual disciplines that help us deny ourselves for the benefit of others and for the worship and glorification of God. Um, If you're new to this concept of what is a spiritual discipline, allow me to fill you in. Uh, What it isn't, they're not life hacks, okay? They're not seven habits for highly effective people. What are they? Spiritual disciplines are building blocks for relationship with God, to become like God, to become holy as God is holy in partnership with him on the journey that he's called us to with his son, Jesus, empowered by his Holy Spirit. So we're in this series Vine, trellis, and crow, thinking about building a life where we can insert in a number of different spiritual disciplines so we can be intentional in the way that we are walking with Jesus. It's not haphazard. It's on purpose. We're actually going to give time and give space and make it a priority in our lives because Jesus made us a priority in his life, didn't he? So tonight... Delight and denial. Just to give you a bit of a, a bit of a uh, rundown of where we're going to go. The sermon really today is going to be largely in two shapes. We're going to start small and safe, small and safe. You know, take a little, couple little nice bite-sized chunks, little you know, little nibbles of delight and denial, and then we're going to move to more broad and more significant. We're going to go from secondary to primary. We're going to we're going to look at these secondary forms of delight and denial, and then the primary forms of delight and denial. And what is going to hinge between the two is us cultivating an awareness of what the dangers of the secondary ones might be. Okay? So, delight and denial. Two coordinated, cooperative postures of the Christian. If you're a follower of Jesus, as you navigate your faith, you'll discover that there exists a profound connection between denying oneself and also defining and finding delight in the person and work of Jesus. As Jesus taught in Matthew 6, if anyone would come after me, Matthew 16, this is on the back of your handouts. I hope you've got a physical Bible with it open to follow along. If anyone would come after me, let him or her deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. The self-denial involves putting aside our own desires and preferences to prioritise God's will. And this leads to what? Paradoxically, by giving up our selfish ambitions, we gain a deeper sense of 
our purpose and direction in him, abiding in Christ. Psalm 37 illustrates this for us. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. If you seek to find your delight in God, surrender your desires to his care and love, he promises to transform your desires to align with his, his holy, pure, and righteous desires. So your joy will become intertwined with his will, leading to a fulfilling and purposeful life. Ultimately, God promises that the the experience of denying yourself is no longer related to a sense of loss, but it's an experience of growing deeper and in a more real relationship with God. The follower of Jesus who walks a path of self-denial in order to obey, in order to abide, and in order to live for Jesus, experiences a profound delight that surpasses any temporary earthly pleasures. As Peter writes, there is, it is a joy inexpressible and filled with glory. Delight and denial, they are two coordinated, cooperative postures. They live in the home of many of the other paradoxically complementary experiences of the Christian life. Delight and denial. God's sovereignty and human responsibility, fear of the Lord and love of the Lord, joy in suffering, strength through weakness, justice and mercy at the cross, life for us through the death of God the Son. The Christian life is one that is characterised by delight and denial. But then again, this posture, this is not that paradoxical. Uh, We see it played out in the world all, all around us, don't we? To focus on one thing, by definition, means that we forsake all other things. Most delights that come from a healthy growth often come from the discipline of habitual denial, don't they? Have you ever learnt something? Have you ever trained in something? Have you ever been to school? You are denying playtime for teaching time to then delight in future skills and knowledge, aren't you? Have you ever saved up for a purchase to buy something significant to delight in that thing? You have denied the small immediate spends of the right now to have that bigger and better thing later. Have you ever been on a diet? The denial of the chips and the chin-ups. We deny feeding our face so that we can delight in our new running pace. Improvements take inputs, don't they? And to find inputs, we must sacrifice. And our Western world right now, let me just say a few things. Intermittent fasting. Cold plunges. Meditation. Wellness retreats. Organic dietary supplements at $300 a kilo 
breathing classes. Done a breathing class recently? Everyone breathe in. Everyone breathe out. All right, that will be $500. No, it's, it's, I did cardiorespiratory physio. It's a thing, okay? Just, it's not that much of a thing. Like, just breathe. Sorry. I just stay on my notes. Personal training. Denial often means enduring of even pain for the promises of pleasure and delight, don't they? To focus on one thing means by definition to forsake all other things. So what then of the delight and the denial of the Christian life? Well, then as promised, let's start small and safe. We'll go secondary before we go primary. James writes to us in the Bible. He says, every good and perfect gift comes down from above, from the Father of lights, to whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. The basic logic of the spiritual disciplines leverages this idea and pursues this idea to go, how are you wired? What are the things that help you see and experience God? Embrace them and let them help you enjoy Him. What is it in God's good creation that helps you know His goodness and His presence? What is that for you? Walking, being in nature, slow-cooked brisket, friends, activity, serving others. What activities help you better behold the glory and the beauty of God. The spiritual discipline of delight would say, lean into those things and delight in those things and let them give you even an appetite for heaven. Let them help you appreciate the giver from those gifts. Give yourself permission to take time and enjoy the good gifts of God and let them grow your awareness and appreciation of God, the giver. The logic is that delight encourages individuals to celebrate life's simple pleasures and embrace the presence, the kindness and the comfort of God in all aspects of life. You can take a walk and you can stop and smell the roses and you can be like, wow, God gave me a nose and senses and he made that thing of beauty so I'd be attracted to it and I would look and then I would go, whoa, what's that? And then I go, that's coming from that amazing, beautiful thing. And then I would smell and there would be a dopamine and endorphin hit. Wow. Or you might be walking along the esplanade and your senses, you see the yellow fatty fried fruit of sweet potato chips sprinkled in crispy dried rosemary and sea salt. And then you go and you taste and see that the Lord is good through sweet potato fries. And you're like, I'm sure these existed in the Garden of Eden before the fall. And you give thanks to God, the giver of all good gifts. 
Now, to enhance those delights, what can we do? What can we include in our spiritual disciplines? Well, we can also practice denial. Uh, that we can voluntarily abstain from certain worldly pleasures so that the enjoyment of some of those things is even great, more greatly enhanced. And also we can embrace, in, engage in the discipline of denial so that we can also seek to cultivate self-control for others' areas in life where it's really necessary, where it's really necessary. In combination together, delight brings a sense of joy and appreciation in the gifts that the giver, God, gives. And denial, individuals, they give themselves space to discover a deeper appreciation of God's abundance in the simple joys, as well as exercising the muscles of self-control and the fruits of the Spirit. Sometimes it's helpful to have flesh, and I hate talking about myself, but hey, here we go. In my own life, I try to work delight and denial into my own pattern of work and rest and prayer and examination. Um, For me, Friday, starting like Thursday, the very end of the night, like start there. Friday's like my rest day. Day off, phone, I'm not going to call you back. Love you, but love Jesus more. Friday. Most of the week, I'll deny myself. Now, these are like so, and I, I love like a big bowl of like frozen blueberries and mixed nuts with yogurt. And I like, won't eat that all week. But I know when I get to Friday, man, oh, yeah. Like I even like, I'll just have a coffee just for breakfast and then I, I'm not eating for the whole day. And then I get to like 4, 4 p.m. in the afternoon and I'm ravenous. I'm just like, you know what I'm about to do? About to go get that berry bowl go past Woolies, actually, usually Aldi, you know, interest rates, go past Aldi, get me some of that natural yogurt, some of those mixed nuts in the bowl, mix that up. Oh yeah. Usually it's after a delighting of God's creation in the surf and I'm hungry and I'm like salty. I'm just like, this is, this is like, this is as close to heaven as I'm about to get. So good. And I give thanks to God for the, for the fruit of those blueberry bushes. Can't go past the blueberry, you know, so also, you know, there's been some denial in that. Been waiting all week. Some other aspects of denial in our household: don't have a TV, don't have a tablet. We just take that stuff off the wall. Just not, not helpful for me. I know what I'm like. I know what I'm like. I know what most of you are like. You should also get rid of your TV. Sorry, no, I'm talking about me now. But on Thursday night, start of my weekend, I'll grab Esther's laptop. It's got a little CD-ROM thing in there, and I'll usually like I'll watch a movie. And it's hard to watch a movie now when you're a pastor because you like theologize everything. You're just like, oh, they've just like rebranded the gospel again. Like, yeah. But yeah, anyway, you enjoy the movie. Anyway, you just try to get in touch with culture. But you enjoy that. There's a couple of examples of delight and denial. Secondary, delight and denial. Now, perhaps even as I give a couple of examples and I've sort of started to walk through and sprinkle in some of these ideas, you're going, you know what? I think I can begin to think in my own life some areas of delight and denial that I can apply. Maybe this could be useful to input into my own rule of life to appreciate God, to exercise some muscles of self-control. Maybe I am going to forego some things. Maybe I'm going to enhance a little bit more simplicity in my life. What are those things? If you've got something there, While we're here in this moment, let me just encourage you to picture it. 
Imagine it on a photograph. Stick it on the fridge. Visualize that thing. Don't take it down. Leave it there, but still hear what we're about to say. So we still want you to come back to that photograph. Let's notice a few things now that that's pinned. None of this teaching so far is wrong. It's wisdom. It's helpful for us to abide in Christ better. But ask this, does this sound like good advice? Does this, or does this sound like good news? What does it sound like? It sounds like good advice, doesn't it? Now, and these habits that I've mentioned so far, are they explicitly Christian? You know, give up X, optimize Y, improve and enhance focus and enjoyment via a few things. Look, they're great, but they're not the good news of Jesus. They're not the gospel. So far, everything I've said would be fine at a local bank's training and mental health and well-being day. It would be fine and it would still be at home in a Jewish synagogue or for a spiritual life coach. Now, please, again, remember that picture. I'm not saying this so that you'll throw away whatever the Holy Spirit has brought to mind for you so far and how you might adjust your life toward enjoying God more and finding space to do that, okay? So this is me doing nuance, all right? I'm doing my best. I would still recommend that you please take and use and think about and apply the wisdom of delight and denial in your walk with Jesus. But recognize, it, recognize this, fasting, enjoying the gifts of God, self-awareness of how we connect with Jesus, exercising the muscles of self-control, these are still secondary. They're still one percenters. They're small, secondary, micro versions. They are more the fruit as opposed to the root source of abiding in Christ. They are supplementary, not primary in the Christian walk. And here it's important to say two things. One of them, one of those things is those things, what we've talked about so far, these are safe denials and delights. They don't cost us anything really. Did you get a handout in your uh, notice card today? Dangerous places to be a Christian. See, I wonder what the people in Afghanistan think of my little habit of eating berries and nuts on a Friday afternoon because it helps me delight in God. Isn't that cute? wonder what they might think of my denial of a TV screen. Yes, it helps me focus on Jesus. But really, that's what Christianity is for you guys in the West? Seriously? That's the first thing to notice. Not to throw it out. Remember, trying to be nuanced here. Second thing is, see this, especially in the delights. This way of thinking, this secondary way of thinking has an associated danger. Why? They are the types of de delight, delights, the types of questioning and personal interrogation that does what? It puts you at the center. It doesn't put God at the center. Can you see the danger? Can you see the danger of starting with asking, what do you delight in? 
The temptation of figuring out what my delight is and what my denial is, is that you'll ask the question from your perspective, from what you think feels good, from what you think is right. Now, there's a problem with that. You're not God. I'm not God. Our perspectives are skewed. Our motivations are skewed. Our reasoning is skewed. It's incredibly biased. So instead of asking, what do I like to delight in? What is it that I think I should deny? You know what Jesus models to us in his life? He says, what does God think? What does God the Father think? What does he say is right? What does God say is good? What is truth according to the creator? What is loving according to the one who is love and who is the source of love? You see, I suspect that if you start with God and his word, the Bible, the direction of where you place your energy for delighting and your energy for denial, it might change a little bit. Sure as hell did for me. Sure as hell did for me. See, yes, you can organise your rule of life around your personal delights and your personal denials, but don't just leave it there. Ask what God wants you to delight and deny in. Ask God what he wants you to delight and deny in. For if you don't, your reasoning and your rationale will only get so far. And in your own strength, you can only do so much. If we don't start with God's direction, with God's direction, we will trivialise disciplined living for God. It'll be cute. We need to be people that don't buy into a safe, doesn't cost you anything type of following Jesus. Shouldn't buy into that. We need to be so careful, so careful that we don't find ourselves in the surging current of our world buying into a Christianized version of the next trendy, self-serving, fresh and cool spiritual practice that is now trending because we've found it somewhere in the historic church. Let's be careful not to over-spiritualize things to justify our existing habits so that nothing needs to change. It would be a tragedy if you walk away from this sermon today on delight and denial and peer into this spiritual practice and you just find a way of spiritualizing what it is that you already are just doing for your own reasons, you know? Oh, yes. Been listening to the sermon on Sunday. Great podcast. Yeah, I'm just going to go now drink, go do some drinks with my, with my friends, go have some drinks with my friends, you know? That time with them helps me focus on Jesus. Like, be honest with yourself and with God. What are you really doing? 
No, you're spiritualizing, drinking too much and having awful dishonoring conversation. Or what else would be a tragedy? Oh yes, I justify this behavior. I justify this purchase. I justify this activity because it helps me delight in God. Sometimes we really need to be honest with ourselves and with God and ask, is that what I'm really doing? Sometimes it's us just spiritualizing and justifying our idolatry and self-serving nature and lack of discernment. How are we going? (laughs) Oh yes, I'm denying loving my neighbor right now and doing what the Lord calls me to do in my church and for my church family and for my enemies because I just want to spend some more time with the Lord, man. Be honest with God and be yourself. Is that what you're really doing? No, you're justifying direct disobedience in the way that God says we should live and honor him. How can we keep ourselves from getting there? Don't divorce Jesus from your delight and your denial. And don't use Jesus to justify self-indulgent delight and denial. If we are to make our primary things of denial the things that God says are not good, we are to make, sorry, we are to make our primary things of denial the things that God says are not good. And we are to make our primary delights the things that God says are right and true and holy and just. Do you know what things God first asks you to deny? Do you know what things God first first asks you to delight in? Would you like a hint? Look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. Do you still have your Bible open at our reading for today? Our reading from today? The biography of Jesus, Matthew chapter 16, from verse 21. Jesus is about to be He's talking with his disciples about how how he soon has to go and die for the sins of the world. It says, from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples, there's no covering it now, that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed on the third day, be raised. What do you think Jesus is denying himself of here? Life itself, giving up his life in obedience to God's directions for his life. There's a serious cost to his God-given priorities. Verse 22 Peter took him aside, Peter took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him saying, far be it from you, Lord, 
This shall never happen to you. Picture that. Jesus is like, this is what's going to go on. And Peter's just like, no, son of God, this is what you need to do. <laughs> Peter seems to know best. <clears throat> wonder why Peter's saying these things. Well, Jesus gives us a hint. But he, Jesus, turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me. For you are not setting your mind on the things of God. You are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Jesus exposes to Peter his motivation. It's not what does God want? It's what do I delight in right now? What's best for me, Peter, right now? Jesus rebukes him. Jesus' denial comes down to the point of even giving up his own life, in obedience to God the Father, giving up his own life, giving up his own life. Forget about his time. Forget about his blueberry bowl. Giving up his own life. Maybe you're thinking, well, surely this type of intense denial, it's just a Jesus thing, right? Like, you know, saviour of the world type of stuff. If you follow Jesus, if you're following Jesus' lead, surely it can't make, no, really. Like, keep, keep reading. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if you're a disciple right there, you're like, he just said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. What's he going to say to us? Uh-oh. <laughs> if anyone would come after me, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life would lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. If anyone would go after Jesus, let them deny themselves and take up their cross to follow Jesus. For whoever would seek to save, preserve their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for Jesus' sake will find it. Jesus says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world yet forfeits his soul. In our denial and delighting in God, we are to ask, does this action resemble Christ and his cross? Jesus Christ's cross-focused denial is leaving the result of that denial in the hands of a kind and incorruptible God. Jesus Christ's cross-focused delight leaves the results of that delight in the hands of a kind and incorruptible God. Because you see, in Christ's denial of himself, 
in the very same act of denial, there is a cooperative, collaborative thing happening at the very same time, isn't there? Do you still have your hand out? You've got your Bible open? Hebrews 12. What's going on in Jesus' mind right now as he denies himself of his own life for the saving of the world? Hear the word of the Lord. Hebrews 12. Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. For the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame. To focus on one thing means by definition to forsake all other things. What is your delight focused on? In the words of Puritan John Owen, let faith look on Christ in the gospel. As he, had, as he is set forth, dying and crucified for us. Look on him under the weight of our sins, praying, bleeding, dying. Bring him in that condition into your hearts by faith. Apply his blood to so shed for your corruptions and do this daily. On Christ's glory, I would fix my thoughts and desires, says John Owen. And the more I see the glory of Christ, the more the painted beauties of this world will wither in my eyes and I will be more and more crucified to this world. It will become to me something dead and putrid, impossible for me to enjoy. What is the Christian? primarily called to delight in? Who is the Christian primarily called to delight in? They delight in the cross of Jesus and they delight in the person of Jesus. God's sacrifice for them. God's mercy and kindness to them. God's brutal, incomprehensible, blood-stained, flesh-torn pursuit of them, of you. The Christian is to delight primarily in everything that the cross encompasses. And to do that again, the thing they did the first time they found that, they found that delight. There's our primary delight. It's not to do the next thing or the next thing or the trendy thing, then the next thing. It's not to do new things that we haven't tried yet, but to keep coming back to the first thing. Keep coming back to the first thing, to go again to the freeing confession and admittance that I can't save me, that you can't save you, and to go again to the adjustment of our life that is repentance and turning to and trusting in and putting our confidence in the saving work of Jesus Christ on our behalf and knowing it is finished. The penalty has been paid. The work has been done. I am set free. 
It's to go again to the knowing and the feeling and the being floored by the overwhelming sense of God's love and wholeness towards us so that we can again bask in this overwhelming expression of thanks and praise as our hearts are moved by his love to us. We go back there again and again and again. Do the things that you did at the first. What if your day started every day by going, I've been saved, a wretch like me, like I was lost away from God, on my own path, but I've been found by God. Like I was blind. I was blind. I couldn't see the beauty and kindness of God, but now I can see. He healed me. He came to me. Like, isn't that where the greatest source of delight is? Forget the flipping blueberries, man. This is the message that brings that gives brings life into our hearts and animates our souls and compels us to tell others that God our maker despite our retaliation despite our rebellion despite our rejection despite our constant shortfalls he still loves us he still loves you and he's there hand outstretched hasn't left you you might be walking away but he's just ghosting you Hamish and Andy style the whole way that's what he's, that's Jesus, man. He pursues you and he's made a way for you to come back into relationship with you. He's executed his plan so that you can be with you by executing his son. If you get nothing else out of this sermon or even this entire series, at least get this. You are fully known by God. Fully known. Fully known. Every thought, every hair on your head, every detestable act, every pure thought, and he still fully loves you. He still fully loves you and you can have a future with him. And you can be present with him. And you can talk to him and be safe with him. And you can be with others that also love and delight in him. And you can be on a journey with him. And you get to go to work with him. And you get to redeem your skills and your passions and whatever presence, wherever you may be at any given time and use those things so that you can meaningfully serve him. That's, that's delight. That's where delight is. And the denial, the denial, well, to focus on one thing means by definition to take out all other things, the denial, when you've got the news of the cross 
When you've got the reality of the cross at work in you, the denial is so much less of a burden. Dare I say, it can become a completely lifted burden. 1 Peter says, from God, you shall be holy for I am holy. And we go, you know what, God, you have so wonderfully revealed yourself to me in Jesus Christ. As I look to him, I want to deny impurity to pursue him in your holiness. Of course I do. Hosea 6, 6, God says, For I desire steadfast love, not sacrifice, the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. God, you love me with an everlasting love. Your love means I can now know you. Of course I'll deny, like to, to further, of course I'll deny myself so I can further deepen my knowledge and love for you. The songbook of the Bible, the Psalms, the lyrics in there, Psalm 119, they become the songs of our own hearts as the Holy Spirit changes us from the inside out. With my whole heart, I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. My soul is consumed with longing for your rules at all times. Psalm 144, he fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He also hears their cry and saves them. Psalm 40, I delight to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. And where might that lead? Once we are celebrating and delighting in God and casting off everything that holds us back. Where might this ongoing, Jesus-abiding, God-obeying, holiness-striving, Bible-infused life go? Well, people who it'll lead to a people who are dying to themselves for the glory of God in their homes and in their workplaces all over the surf coast. That's what will happen. We'll just deny ourselves as we seek to take Jesus seriously. We'll be a people who radically give up the right to take revenge. As we look to Jesus, we'll be a people who radically give up the right to have a good reputation in this world because our life is hidden in Christ. We'll be a people who unbelievably give up the right to have a comfortable and secure home because we know that life with Jesus, our bags are always packed. We're never comfortable. There's never a sense of being home because that is still yet to come. Right now, we're on a mission to save, seek and save the lost with him. Denial will naturally come. We'll be giving up the right to spend our money however we please because we will have known the words of Jesus. Do not store up for yourself treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. We'll give up our right to hate our enemies because Jesus says by this, but I say this to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so you may be sons of your Father in heaven. We'll give up the right to be honoured and served because we're just like Jesus. We're becoming more like Jesus. We are not here to be served. We are here to serve. Delighting in Jesus will lead to more denial, won't it? Natural denial. We'll be giving up the right to understand God's plan before we obey him. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance and he went out not knowing where he was going. We give up the right to live life by our own rules. Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. If we're delighting in God and in his cross, we'll give up the right to hold a grudge we will bear with one another and forgive one another as God has forgiven us. We will give up the right to complain. 
Philippians 4, Philippians 2.14, we will do all things without grumbling or disputing. 1 Thessalonians, we will be thankful in all circumstances for this is God's will for us in Christ. We will give up the right to put ourselves first. We will do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, we will count others more significant than ourselves. We will look not only to our own interests, but to the interests of others. We will give up our right to freely, to freely express one's sexuality. From 1 Corinthians, we will flee from sexual sin. We will give up the right to rebel against authority. For the Lord's sake, we will submit to human authority. If you're a committed Christian, baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus Christ because of him, if, if you and if you've confessed your allegiance to him, your life right now is one primarily of denial. But it's not primarily denial because you're thinking of all the things that you need to deny. To focus on one thing, by definition, means you will forsake all other things. Jesus says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. The denial of killing sin, that will happen when your primary pursuit is Jesus. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Focus on Jesus, who is the way. Don't focus on the obstacles. Focus on Jesus, who is the truth. Don't focus on all the things that are false. Focus on Jesus, who is the life. Don't focus on all the things that lead to death. As Paul writes to the Colossian church, set your mind on things that are above, not on the things of earth. Look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of your faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Don't allow the small secondary things of this world to take up all the room and all your energy for the great things that God calls you first to. And hear that he's calling you first to Jesus. So church, put your faith in him, in his words, in his teaching, in his life, in his death, in his resurrection and in his return. And then the delight, then it all comes. Then there is no more denial. But we start now, life now in the kingdom of God through the personal work of Jesus Christ, the kind and incorruptible king. Let me pray. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au.